Hey, let's pray together. Girl, I pray that uh, there would be no one else uh, for us. Uh, it is so easy in our lives to uh, make a person an idol, uh, whether that's a friend, uh, a family member, a uh, spouse, a child, or it could be many people that we want to prove ourselves to or we want to get into that crowd or, or get into that social circle. I pray that you would change our hearts uh, as a church, as this church, uh, and as individual believers, that there would be no one else uh, but you, Jesus, because of, of what you've done for us, that, that we would see it more clearly, this Lent. You gave your life for us. You took upon sin, sin in and of itself. That yes, it, it is definitely about resurrection and you rising in and us having new life, but you did what we could not do. You covered our transgressions. You blotted out our, our sins. And for that reason, I pray that we would love you and you'd be all that we need because you are all we need. Thank you for these folks that are here. I pray we would all see that together more and more today. In your name, Jesus, uh, whom we love, amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Thank our, our worship team uh, again. And if you would today, uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts in the New Testament. Acts chapter 3. As you're turning your Bibles, just have a simple question for you. Uh, do you believe in miracles? Hey, man, I like that, man. You ever said, do you believe in miracles? It's a valid question, though, because often, uh, no offense to the amens out there, I'm talking about myself here, often we, we give that Sunday school answer of yes, Lord, or yes, brother, or yes, sister. I believe in miracles. Uh, but then in our mind, you know, we think about, well, well, well really, you know, uh, the lame healed um, someone on their deathbed with cancer, is, that, is healing really possible at that moment? And I, I'm talking about myself here. So we say yes, I say yes, and at the same time, the world crowds in, or what I know of the world, and, and it confuses me, talking about me, but I, I think I can speak for a lot of us. We do believe, and, and we cry to God, help my belief, but still uh, there are there's some reservations, and, and I think that's that's sin, the sin that's in us. Some of us would just straight up say, say no, uh, no. I mean, I, I know there are people out there that would just, just say no, and, and I think that too is is sin, sin that that clouds our mind, that that, that creates uh, doubts uh, within us. Do we believe in miracles? What I want to say to us, for us, for me, for you today, is that Jesus leads to miracles, period. And then the miracles of this world lead us to Jesus. Let me say that again. Jesus, if we have a faith, if you have a faith in him, he leads to miracles. As in like, you believe in Jesus, you have faith in Jesus, it changes uh, your view of the world. It's like you put on a different set of glasses and you see more miracles happening. 
I was talking to a sister here in this church. Uh, we were talking this week. Someone sick uh, with cancer. And she said, it's a great word, like, you know, I'm praying for a, even, if nothing else, a miracle of time. Wow. I, that God would give more time, a miracle of time for this person's life. I, I said earlier, my mom, my dad are here today. We're talking about uh, my grandmother, my dad's mom. She, was, uh, she went home at 51, but she always said she, she was sick this time of the year. And she said, I want to see another Easter. I want to see an Easter. And the Lord gave her that time where she was able to see another Easter and called her home the week after. Just the miracle of time. It's like Jesus leads to miracles, and you have a different way of looking at the world. And then miracles lead us to Jesus. Let me say that again. Miracles lead us to Jesus. Where you see the life of a newborn child as a miracle. And you still have this same set of glasses on where you look at the world different. Like, wow, you know, Jesus did that. The miracle of life leads us to Jesus. And the greatest miracle of all, the greatest miracle of all, is a self-centered person becoming a Christ-centered person, and then as a Christ-centered person, becoming a people-centered person. That is the greatest miracle. That is what we call salvation. So that, is, that is really, truly being saved. Let me say it again. A self-centered person, and that would be all of us, okay, as, as sinners, a self-centered person becoming, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a Christ-centered person, what we've been singing about, who then as a Christ-centered person knows it's not just about them anymore, a people-centered person. It's the greatest miracle of all. And it can happen any moment. It can happen today. And we pray that it does happen today for believers. We're doing this series through Lent uh, that we call Make It Plain. Make It Plain. Uh, I love that phrase. Uh, It was coined, I first heard about it, uh, a friend, a brother, um, who's in a black church, said, you know, I grew up and I would hear that in the congregation. People saying, make it plain, preacher. Make it plain. I love that. Make it plain. Can we get to make it plain? Come on. Come on, guys. We, we can learn a lot. We can learn a lot from our brothers and sisters in the black church. Even though, as I said last week, thankfully the church is more and more becoming the church, but there is a lot to learn because often in what's traditional as a black church, it's a conversation that's going on. I love that. So make it plain. Can I hear it? Make it plain, man. Come on. Make it plain, preacher. Make it plain. Okay? Love that. Love that. That there's a dialogue going on. And, and praise God that we got some folks in here that will stir us up. Some amen, some make it plains, right? Some laughter, right? Somebody just make it plain. Again. Loosen it up. There you go. Make it plain. Now then, with that said, you got to make it plain. Like you got to make the word plain. So we are looking at preaching uh, in the book of Acts. Because uh, if you, you didn't know this, actually the, the book of Acts is really uh, a set of sermons uh, that people are preaching. Peter, uh, next week we will see Stephen, Paul, and a lot of sermons. And they're making it plain, making it plain that Jesus saves by the cross, not just as teaching, not just as a nice guy. The cross saves. And over and over again, it's in, if you look through these sermons, they, they keep pointing to the cross. That's why, even if it happened after, like Easter resurrection, we're looking at these brothers who are making it plain and saying that Jesus saves. 
make it plain. And today, talking about miracles, and again, making it plain, Jesus leads to miracles. And miracles lead us to Jesus. So, look at Acts 3. First off, I want to I show you all how Jesus leads to miracles. As in, like, if you believe in Jesus, if you confess Jesus, if you talk Jesus, if you do the Jesus talk, it leads to miracles. Seeing them, being part of them, being part of miracles. Okay? Start in Acts 3. Acts 3. Uh, I'm going to read, uh, start at verse 1. And here is... Um, Peter has just finished preaching in Acts 2. We talked about that last Sunday. And we talked about preaching, what it is that Peter was proclaiming. Uh, that Peter was pointing us to Scripture, even then, to the Old Testament. That Peter, uh, Peter's word was prayed over by the disciples in the upper room. And that Peter was pushing. He was pushing the people out of their comfort zone. He continues to do this, but first he acts. The Lord acts through Peter, a miracle. Verse 1, Acts 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Say it again, Jesus leads to miracles. Peter had preached And now what was he going to do? Well, he and John were walking to pray at the temple. Uh, And what is interesting is they're walking through, and Luke says this beautiful gate. He says it, I think, twice there. Uh, The the biblical scholars who, like, knew Jerusalem at that time, this gate was uh, literally made of of gold and bronze. So it took a lot of time. I mean, it was very ornate. And what's also interesting, I I didn't know this until this week, uh, that... that, uh, I guess sculpted into the gate was like a vine, a vine, which is very interesting when Jesus said, I am the true vine and you are my branches. And here is Peter and John uh, preaching with words and actions as an extension of Jesus as the branch that he is a true vine. This fascinates me, these, these little things. But this beautiful gate where this man who was lame, you know, lived his life asking for money. I mean, we know the deal, you know, whether it's Jackson or, or India, as a couple of us went to last year. I mean, we, we see this. Now, what is interesting, and it's easy to read over passages, and that's what I don't want us to do, but really take it into context and, and really try to be there. So if you can imagine Peter and John, they're walking to pray. They see this man. Peter has preached in Acts 2, 
And here's the moment. Sorry, what moment is that? Here's the moment that Peter has not done a physical miracle yet, or at least one we don't know of, without Jesus being present. You catching me? Here's the moment. He's preached. Does he believe what he says? Here's the moment. He's thrown it down. He's proclaimed. Here's the moment. They know what the master would have done. Here's the moment the faith is tested. Do we believe we have that power too? Here's the moment. Do we believe the Holy Spirit through us can heal physically? Do we believe that he can walk? This was, this was kind of like a test. You've said it, Peter and John. Here's a test. Peter, praise God, believes. He believes. He says, look at us. And I also think he says, you know, silver and gold we don't have, not just because the guy's asking for silver and gold, but he's looking. They're right below this, this gate that was built by gold and bronze and wealth. And he said, we don't have that. We have something much, much more greater, the name of Jesus. And then, I love this, these little, these little intricate things that Luke mentions. He sticks out his right hand. How is that such a big deal? Luke added his right hand. Peter was right-handed. To me, I said, he's a real man. Think about it. He's right-handed. Luke adds that. It's a real man here he's talking about. He adds that detail. And this lame man who's never walked. You know, you can imagine. You know, probably just starts some slow steps. And slowly walks. And then Luke adds, he begins to leap. To leap, to jump. And to praise God. Peter and John, they acted on faith. It wasn't just what they said. It wasn't just what they preached. They believed it. And the Lord, the power of the Spirit, worked through them to accomplish a a physical miracle. Now, let me say this for us, too. Uh, Often, you have um, two types of Christians... Uh, but both are what I would call like, like one-legged Christians, okay? Uh, that, that they have faith, and, and I've fallen into both camps, okay? That they have faith, but it's either a faith of action or a faith of words and not both, okay? So as in like they stand on a faith of action, and they say like, you know, I, I'm hesitant to proclaim, you know, my faith even maybe to, to co-workers or friends or family. You know, it's really, you know, what you do and not what you say. And, you know, I just want to live a life which is good and true and, you know, live for the Lord. But you got to speak it too. It is about words. And you have others who, you know, maybe they're, you know, word you might not know, but, you know, I've been called naturally loquacious. Translation talks a lot. You know what I'm saying? And they just talk a lot. But they may not put a lot of emphasis on the acting out of their faith uh, in things that Jesus said, care for like orphans and widows and the poor um, and love and care for one another in the church. So you have actions and words, faith of actions, faith of words. And it's literally like, best way to describe it, and I'm going to embarrass myself, so I have zero pride, okay? It's, it's, like, it's, it's like trying to walk one-legged, okay? So one-legged. I know, I know Dukes, Russell, y'all in the back, y'all got some money on how long I'm going to last on this, okay? Uh, y'all just got to know Dukes and Russell. But one-legged, like how long can I preach one-legged 
you know, faith. So, so I'm, I'm living and walking on my actions, and it's like you got one-legged faith, okay? Or, there you go, rest that leg. Or let's say, you know, I'm resting on what I say. I got faith of words. But again, it's still one-legged. This is my weak leg. One-legged <laughs> faith, seriously. Okay, now what if, what if you start hitting some, some rocky ground, as in like tough times? I mean, it's kind of flat stage up here. I mean, really easy peasy. I know, not naturally coordinating or anything like that. But let's get on the steps, okay? Okay, now hopefully you won't sprain an ankle here, but I'm going to give it a shot. But let's imagine, you know, you're on rough ground. Think about you living on rough ground and you've you got a one-legged faith. How that's going, you know, I mean, a little... Right, it's not too bad, but, you know, I can feel the, the lack of floor, part of, my, part of my foot. I mean, just, you know, you get on rough ground. If you see got one-legged faith, I mean, it's harder to stand, guys. It's harder to live. Okay, I'm not going to make it much longer. You've got to have both to stand. I'm serious. You've got to have faith of action, faith of words. So many of y'all, me too, we just we walk through life, one-legged faith. It's either we say, but we really don't do, or you know, we just do and, and we're very hesitant to say anything. And and faith, I mean, living, believing, miracle of life, miracle of salvation. I mean, it's both feet planted. That's what the Lord wants for your life. And we see this here. That's why I'm showing you that. Because Peter's already preached Acts 2. But he ain't got a one-legged faith. He's acting. And now, he's going to throw it again in preaching. Because you know a miracle is going to attract attention. So here comes some people. They want to see what happens. What does Peter do? He isn't like humble or shy. He's like, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, anything going on here. You know, hides away. He preaches. But it's not about Peter. He points to Jesus. And you need to see this. Because I said, miracles lead to Jesus. It's not about him, but he uses this opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ, to speak a word. And look, for some of y'all, y'all don't have to like be, you know, preacher, teacher, whatever. I mean, this can happen in natural conversations, family, friends, coworkers, over a cup of coffee, over a meal. But look what Peter says. He points to Jesus. Verse 11, still in Acts 3. While he clung to Peter and John... The lame man. All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Let me stop right there. What's Peter doing here? A miracle happened. He points them and us to Jesus over and over and over to Jesus. Please don't miss this. And it's so easy for us, for us Southerners, us Bible Belt raised and everything in Sunday school to just glance over the scripture where Peter is like pointing over to Jesus. Jesus did this. It's about him. It's him. Because he, he says Jesus five times without even calling the name Jesus. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. 
Jesus. Servant. That he's a servant. Jesus. Holy. Some say holy and righteous. They're not the same things. Holy is like, man, the glory and the grandeur. The power. Angels in Isaiah saying, holy, holy, holy. Cannot comprehend what they see. Jesus. Righteous. I know that sounds like real holy roly, to use a phrase that, that I've loved before in my past. Righteous literally means right living or the right way to live. Jesus. And then the author of life. I love that phrase. The author of life. That he scripted your life. He wrote your life. So he knows your life. Jesus. Peter keeps pointing us and them to Jesus. Then he says, do you really have faith? Or he says, in whose name do you place your faith? Because verse 16, I love this verse. In his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Faith in action, faith in words combined, standing on two feet on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So I'd ask y'all, you know, in what name do you place your faith? Is it your name? Is it the names in your Rolodex? A Rolodex like 1990s. Or, you know, your phone, your iPhone, whatever. It is. Or those names. In what faith do you have? And whose name is that faith in? Is it Jesus? So then, Peter doesn't just proclaim, as we talked about this last week with preaching, he pushes them and us to something, to Jesus, but to do something. Look, pick up in 17. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he is thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Three things he calls them to us to. Repent. I've said this many times this year. I will say it many, many more. Repent. Repent. Repentance leads to revival. You're like, well, what is repentance? It's saying, not me, God, I can't, you can. It's what we just read, verse 16, placing faith in Jesus' name. Not me, Lord, you. A lot of us think repentance is like, well, you know, I didn't kill anybody or, you know, hadn't, you know, hadn't committed uh, adultery or at least, you know, not in the last couple of years, uh, you know, or, or not stolen anything, you know, so I don't, don't need to repent. Man, I repent Daily, and I need to repent more because I look at my life and I'm relying on myself so much. I say, Lord, you know, help me not to rely on myself, rely on you. Help me not to place faith in my name, but your name. Lord, not me, you. That, that's the essence of repentance. He's saying, not you, y'all, the Lord. And come to him and just say, God, help me. Help me in my unbelief. It's repentance. And repentance as Peter lays out, it will lead to revival. You're like, how do you say that? Well, look what he says. He said, times of refreshing may come. Let me say that again. 
so that times of refreshing may come. You know, what do you, what do you think of when you're refreshed? Refreshed. I mean, I think of, I think of water. I think of cleanse. Repent so that times of refreshing will come. I mean, right now, you know, honestly, I think of like snow. Snow. Uh, my folks, you know, here, they, they had six inches uh, in North Mississippi. You know, not that jealous. A little bit, though, we have our rain day here, you know, where, like, you know, my kids are outside making rain balls and a rain man and all that kind of stuff. I mean, see, but I think it's snow on this week, you know, refreshed, you know, cleansing. Repentance leads to refreshing, which leads to revival. Let me ask you this, you know. Do you think your lack of repentance might be holding you back from some miracles that God might want to give to your life? Let me say that again. Do you think a lack of repentance might be holding some miracles for your life back? Because you're not saying, Lord, help me, or Lord, here I am. Help my unbelief, or Lord, forgive me. Just saying. Repentance leads to revival. Repentance to refreshing. And then, Peter says, it leads to restoration, restoring, restoring. You're like, what? restoring, what's he saying there? Let me flesh it out for you, clean it up. Repentance, when you say, Lord, you know, it's about you, not me. Lord, forgive me. You know, you can state, I'm just trying to give you some examples here. The Lord will restore your mind, I do believe, when you go to him. He restores your mind. He restores your heart. Starts inside, and then it starts working outside. He begins to restore relationships. You ever thought about that? Like humility might restore a relationship. You ever thought about? That? I mean, just crazy thought. You know, being humble, saying, "Not me, you, God," or "Forgive me," or "Shocker, it's my fault." To somebody who might need to hear that, starts restoring relationships. Can restore a church, any church. Humility, repentance, a position of like, just like being teachable. Lord, I want to learn from you. Brother, sister, I want to learn from you. Help me. That type of posture, that type of attitude. Repentance leads to refreshing, leads to restoration as the Lord will, and Peter said this, fully restore the world when the Lord comes again in power, which I believe, which we believe. And I actually pray for it. I was like, Lord, come soon. You know, I didn't, you know, but with the world is, I'm, I'm literally like, like, Lord, come on, man. Come on. May not be any time in this generation or my life, but, you know, it'll be, it'll be the best thing. It is the best thing that the Lord makes all things new, unites heaven and earth. That's what the gospel said. That's the full restoration. So let me just close by saying a couple of things. First, I want us to close our eyes. You do that. I'm going to close my eyes too. And I just want you to think. Take a moment, and I just want to ask you all and ask you to think uh, about a person who needs a miracle. Uh, is it physical? Uh, is it emotional? Uh, is, it, is it spiritual? Just think of someone who is, who is paralyzed. Maybe it's by anger. Maybe it's by lust. Maybe it's by, by greed. But just as this man that Peter and John healed was lame, that, that they are lame, that they are not walking. I want you to think about it. 
I want you to pray for him. If you want to begin praying now as I close, go ahead. But uh, pray for him when we come and take communion. Hold that person in your mind. You can open your eyes or if you want to keep on praying or begin praying, that's fine. But I would say this, that miracles are real. Jesus leads to miracles. And miracles lead to Jesus. Say it again. Jesus leads to miracles, and miracles lead to Jesus. Do you have a one-legged faith? Are you walking a one-legged faith? Then it's probably kind of hard to walk in this world, in this life. Have you repented? Have you repented today? Do you live a life of repentance that leads to refreshing, that leads to restoration? When you live that life, a two-legged faith, repent, being refreshed, restored, God will give you and us the miracle that you and we need, even if it's not the miracle that you asked for. Let me say it again. You live that life, God will give you the miracle you need, even if it is not the miracle you asked for. Uh, I love a saying by, by Tim Keller. Tim Keller says that you know, if we saw everything that God sees and we're living a life trying to be obedient to Christ, then everything he gives us, we would know. It's for our good. I mean, it, it's the right thing. But we don't see as God sees. But we trust in Jesus, have faith in his name, and if you live that way, then the miracle you need, the miracle he gives, even if it's not the miracle you ask for. And when you live like that, we can be a community on mission for miracles here in our church, in this city, in the world, at least to repent, to refresh, and to be restored in the name of Jesus, by faith in his name. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, just thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Dear Lord, I pray that you would lead us to repentance. I pray that you would melt our hearts, that we would believe in miracles, that we would live a faith of action and a faith of words, standing on the solid rock of Jesus. And, and we would know that Living like that, you're going to give us the miracles that we need, even if it's not the miracles that we ask for. We pray for the brothers and sisters that you put into our minds and our hearts, and we pray for a miracle in their life today. And I pray for a miracle in the lives of the people here today, that they would live by faith, not in their name or others' names, but in the name of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.